0: So there's this history professor at a large university, and he's given the final exam to the freshman class, and he announces, OK, two hours are up. Put your pencils down on your way out, drop off your test booklet. And then he just sat at his desk, and he watched 250 students kind of file past, put their tests on the desk, and some of them looked stunned as they walked out, and others just kind of grumbled that the test was too hard. And And the professor started to kind of pile these because they were just a big mess of tests there. And and all of a sudden he noticed there was one young man still taking the test. And he goes, (coughs) sir. And students didn't notice at all. And so he then says, hey, 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 test is over. Bring your test up here. Kids still didn't even look up. So this professor thought, I'm going to teach him a lesson. I'm just going to sit here in my chair and when he does finally bring his test up, I'm gonna rip it right in front of his face, and I'm gonna give him an F for the semester. And so he just sat there. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes go by, and then he sees the student close the booklet and start to walk down to this now fuming professor. And the student says, I'm finished. The professor looked at him and goes, You don't really think I'm gonna accept that exam from you now, do you? The student kinda looked down at all these tests that were there, and he goes, you have any idea who you're talking to?" And the professor looked at him and goes, I don't know, and I certainly don't care. The student then quickly grabbed his test, lifted a pile, shoved it in the middle of it, and walked out the door. <laughs> sometimes it pays to be anonymous, right, where people don't know who we are. And yet, sometimes when we're talking about God, we wonder whether we're anonymous to Him. Does he know us? He's too busy running the universe, we think sometimes. He's helping some missionary over in Africa. How could he truly care and hear about me? And yet, the reality is, he does care. He does listen intently to you because you're treasured by him. And God has this quality that it's hard for us to understand. We can't do two or three things at a time, but God can. Because he's all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-caring God. And he is interested, truly interested, and gives you his undivided attention when we reach out to him. And we don't have to understand how he does that. We just have to have the faith. The faith to be able to accept the fact that God knows your name, he knows your heart, he knows everything about you, and he knows all that about you because he loves you unconditionally he wants the best for you he wants to have a relationship with you so we are in week number three of this sermon series saying that we're treasured that we're priceless to god and and pastor john was in here last week and he did a great job of helping us focus on some verses a lot of them were in psalm 139 that god hand made you that, that God knows you. He knows every single thing about you. He knows your fears and your worries and your needs. He knows your frustrations. Now that student in our opening story wanted to be anonymous, and yet I think many of us have had seasons of life and maybe the one you're in now that you kind of feel that way. You feel ignored. You don't feel valued. You, you don't feel heard by the people that are around you. And and kids feel that way sometimes because their parents are maybe just too busy to listen to what they have to say. Or they're in the classroom and they got their hand up, I know, I know, I know, and nobody ever calls on them to give the answer. Women, a lot of times, will say, my husband doesn't listen to me. They'll say, oh, oh, he listens, but he doesn't really hear what I'm saying. Employees will say, I have great ideas for the company, but the boss just doesn't want to hear what they are. And sometimes even our friends, they like screen our phone calls because they don't really want to hear what's on our mind. And these things make us feel so unimportant, so underappreciated, and we feel all alone. And yet the good news is that God hears every single word that you speak, every single word you speak, every thought that comes to your mind. He wants to know. He wants to know the joy and the celebration As well, he wants us to cry out in those times when we need help. He listens to our heart. Now, last week, as you've been seeing, VBS was here. It was awesome. What a week, I tell you. It was so great. But a couple hundred kids were in here, and they learned that they are treasured by God. Well, let me tell you, you are treasured by God. I wish I could point to each one of you right in the face and say, you are treasured by God. Let that sink in for a minute. What do I mean by that? Well, God hand-made you. God don't make no junk. And in spite of the fact that we sin, and we all do, Romans 3 tells us that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, But God made you and he doesn't make any junk. You're a masterpiece to him. And he wants to spend eternity with you by his side. And yet this thing called sin tends to want to separate people and separate us from God. And yet God loves you too much for that. He loves you in spite of your sinful nature. He can't stand the thought of spending eternity without you by his side. But you see, there's no amount of money that can pay for even one sin that you commit much less our whole lifetime. And that's why God says, hey, each of you are so priceless to me that I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to send him to live the perfect, sinless life and to sacrifice himself in your place, in your place, in your place, because that's how treasured we are. It's the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And just like on this weekend, this 4th of July weekend, we celebrate the freedom and the independence that we have from tyranny, every single day you can celebrate the freedom you have from the consequences of our daily sins. And then if that's not enough, God says, I've got an open line to each one of you. I want to hear you. I want you to talk to me. And it's a line that's open 24-7. No need for an answering machine because he gives an attentive response to every word that you happen to speak. Now, on Tuesday last week, what they did is they looked at the story of David. David is really a strange story when you look at his life, and we love the fact that this little shepherd boy grabs some rocks and heaves them and knocks Goliath out. We love that, and the people at that time loved him as well. But then he gets anointed by Christ. Uh, Samuel to be the king now there's a problem with this Saul's already the king and Saul's pretty jealous as well and so Saul sets out he wants to kill David and he chases him and so David and his men maybe 600 or so of them they're on the run for about seven years well Saul's trying to kill him and yet we see the heart of David in the midst of all this when David has many opportunities to get back at Saul, to kill Saul, to harm Saul. And he doesn't. That's the heart. He resisted those opportunities. Now that's not enough in the story. Then God tells him that he wants him to now go and fight the Philistines. Here he is running for his life, hiding in caves, and God says, oh, I got a little project for you. And David, we see, called to the Lord in his times of distress, and God heard him. So again, think about the situation. He's been running. They're trying to kill him. He's hiding. And then God says, I want you to go in and fight this battle. I want you to listen and read, or not read, but listen along with this and try to focus on David talking to God in distress and God responding. So when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kilah and they're looting the threshing floors. What does David do here? He inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go attack these Philistines? And here it is, the Lord answered him, go attack the Philistines and save Kilah. But David's men said, hey, here in Judah we're afraid. How much more than if we go to Kilah against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, go down to Kilah. I'm going to give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Kilah, fought the Philistines, carried off their livestock, inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines, and he saved the people of Kilah. So the battles win. All's perfect for David now, right? No. Now the Ziphites, they find where he's at, and they want to turn him over to Saul. And now another storm of life is coming upon David. Psalm 54. Just listen to the anguish and the trust in this psalm that we see here. Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. In the midst of chaos, he goes to God because he knows that God will be there to help get through the times. So, so what is the issue here that he's running from? arrogant foes are attacking me, ruthless people are trying to kill me. People without regard for, the, for God. Sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? And yet David knows he's got a God that just wants him to reach out to him. And in verse 4, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. And this is a pattern for David throughout his entire life. Honestly talks to the Lord, knowing that that God will listen to him, that God will guide him, that God will never leave him. Now, we don't know for sure the author of all of the psalms, but for sure we know 73 of them were written by David, and they are honest, no holes barred conversations with God that he knows God is listening to him. For instance, George read a section a little earlier, and it's pretty awesome. It's in Psalm 116. Frightened by death, these are the words. I love the Lord. And here it is. For he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangle me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. Folks, this is a great section for us to focus in on. Because it tells everything about God listening to us. It starts out telling us, God hears my voice. He hears my cry for mercy. David spoke, and God listened. And then that middle section of that, that in there, it just it, it, it's interesting to me. Because what it says is that God turned his ear toward him. God inclined his ear towards him. Inclined means to be sloping, right? To be moving toward something. And David knew that God was inclined to listen. Putting it another way, God was leaning forward, intently listening. I get this kind of image in my mind of God there. Maybe he's sitting and maybe he has his hand on his elbow. I mean his elbow on his knee. And, and he's kind of got his ears cupped, leaning forward, intently listening. Was David having just a bad day? No, look at the words that were in there. It said, "Chords of death, anguish of the grave, distress, sorrow. Now, what I want us to do right now is I'm going to read Psalm 116 in the message translation, and what I would just love you to do is, now don't fall asleep on me, but I'd love you to just close your eyes and listen. Make this into your life and listen to these words that are here. I love God because He listened to me. listened as I begged for mercy. He listened so intently as I laid out my case before Him. Death stared me in the face. Hell was hard on my heels. Up against it, I didn't know which way to turn. And then he called out to God for help. Please, God, I cried out, save my life. God is gracious. It is he who makes things right, our most compassionate God. God takes the side of the helpless. And when I was at the end of my rope, he saved me. Isn't that an incredible section of a heartfelt conversation with a God who listens to his child? right about now, you might be saying, well, now what? Thanks for the history lesson, Pastor Dave. Thanks for telling us about David and his problems and God listened to him. But what about me? Yeah, what about you? I assume you probably don't have a king trying to kill you, and yet I'll bet you feel the same emotions in your lifetime that David felt. I'll bet you you feel pain, anxiety, distress, loss of direction, hopelessness maybe yours is a situation that seems hopeless in a financial distress that you have maybe the the collection agencies are calling you maybe your credit cards are out of control maybe you lost your job maybe you got a medical bill that is just looming larger every day and it feels like the weight of the world is attacking you or maybe it's a relational storm Maybe your marriage is kind of on the rocks, going downhill. Maybe your kids are in trouble with the law, or maybe drugs. Uh, Maybe your boss just doesn't understand you. Maybe your neighbors and you just don't get along, making life miserable. Or maybe it's an emotional battle or storm that you're fighting. Uh, Anxiety, depression, anger, worry, prideful heart, grief from the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a physical issue. Maybe you have some poor health that you're trying to deal with. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction or an upcoming surgery or a loved one maybe who's in hospice. Maybe it's a spiritual battle. Maybe you're just angry at God because he didn't answer the prayer exactly the way you wanted it. Maybe you feel distant from God because you no longer talk to him in prayer or read his word or worship. Maybe you feel just like David, hopeless, Back in World War II, there was a gentleman, and uh, he was cleaning this house out and mopping the kitchen floor, and all of a sudden, bombs started falling all around him, and, 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 and he's trying to run out, but the floor is all soapy and wet, and he keeps falling down every time, and, and he, oh, man, he's just got to get out of the house because the bombs are falling, and, and he finally gets to some steady ground, and he steps right in the bucket of water. Down it goes, and so does he. Again, scrambling to get back to his feet. He finally gets on his feet, and he steps on the mop, whacks him in the head, knocks him back down the steps. Now he's trying to run forward. The bombs are hitting all around his house, and and he finally cries out to the Lord. He says, God, if you will just help me in this, this one mess I'm in, I will do the rest of the messes by myself. Wow. Think about that. First of all, yeah, call out to God in a time of distress. But to think you only get one get-out-of-jail-free card in your lifetime? I've got to tell you, folks, every care should turn into a prayer. Every aggravation ought to turn into a supplication. And every irritation into an invocation. We are to pray to God in the good times and in the bad times. And the reason is because God looks forward to you talking to him all the days of your life, the good days, and the not-so-good days. Turn to God. See, God is listening for you. In 1 Peter 3, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. So we get this image, the eyes watching, and then the ears are attentive to prayer. God hears you, and he knows and understands what you're going through. That's, to me, the important piece to this Max Lakato tells a story about his neighbor. His neighbor's trying to teach his six-year-old to play basketball. And this guy's standing there in perfect form. Basket, basket, basket. See how easy it is, son? Here, your turn. Well, the son can't even throw the ball ten feet in the air, much less make a basket. Dad keeps showing him, see how easy it is? Come on, son. And the son gets more and more frustrated. And finally, after about the tenth time of being told how easy it is, son said well it's easy for you up there it ain't so easy for me down here you never ever ever have to say that about God God became man God knows what you are going through he walked where you walked suffered what you suffered was tempted as you were tempted and he understands he is God with us and he promises to hear your prayers and to respond accordingly Notice it doesn't say respond exactly what you want. Just like a child asking a parent doesn't always give us the things we want, but he certainly gives what we need. Even though people are going to let you down, people are going to leave you or laugh at you or ignore you, God doesn't. He always listens to you. 1 John 5, 4. This is the confidence we had in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That God of creation is listening to you. The God of creation cares about you. Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and here it is, I will listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What a great invitation this is, folks, and yet what gets in the way that we don't instinctively do this? Well, I think first of all, It's the devil. I think the devil is telling us in our ears here, he's saying, oh, 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 God's too busy for you, or God doesn't really care about you, or God can't help you out of this one. Or maybe it's just noise and static in our lives. Uh, We don't sit quietly often. We certainly know Jesus had to, right? Jesus went away to a quiet, lonely place, isolated place, to talk to God, and yet, sometimes we think, "Well, I'll talk to him while I'm watching the end of this series I'm watching on TV, or while I'm doing my homework, or whatever." Or maybe we are just too busy. Maybe we just can't fit God time into our schedule. And I got to tell you, if you're too busy for God, you're just plain too busy. Need some adjustments. One of the neatest illustrations I've seen about prayer is a is a Martin Luther thing about concentrating silently with God. And and it's interesting, it says, when Luther's puppy would be at the table looking for a morsel from the master, watching how mouth open, motionless, watching every move on Luther. And Luther then said, oh man, if I could only pray the way that dog watches the piece of meat. Every single concentrated moment is on the piece of me. Apart from that, no thought, no wish, no hope, that's how we ought to intently listen to whatever God wants to give in our life, whatever he wants you to do in your life, intently watching, knowing that he is listening to you and he hears you. So maybe some action steps for this week. Are you ready to say, I'm going to find quiet, all alone quiet moments to talk with God, knowing that he hears me all day, every day, little prayers, long prayers, whatever it is, to constantly be talking to God. And then the second one is life gets tough sometimes. So when life is unmanageable, I'll talk to God about it. In the storms of life, he wants to hold an umbrella over you. Doesn't take the storm away, but he wants to keep you safe under his loving umbrella. And then... I'll trust that God will never leave me or forsake me. And look at the end of that. When others might, others will walk away at times in your life, but not God. He never will walk away. Lord, thank you. Thank you for every person in this room, every person that is worshiping online now or later in the week. Thank you. You handmade all of us, and we are your treasures Remind us of that daily. Remind us that you're listening to us. Remind us that you hear and that you answer in a way that only you can answer. Remind us how important we are to you and our thoughts are important to you as well. Let us listen intently, Lord. Amen.